Welcome to Highland Objects, podcasts that take you on a cultural tour of the Highlands and Islands of Scotland. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Highland Objects or visit the website highlandobjects.wordpress.com. Podcast 21 The Beetle Wing Dress. My name is Vanessa Martin. I'm curator at the West Highland Museum in Fort William, and we were going to be talking about the West Highland Museum's beetle wing dress. First of all, I'd like to introduce Kenna Levis from New York, and she's going to explain a bit more about it. Thank you, Vanessa. So I am a uh, currently a master's student at the Fashion Institute of Technology in New York City. I did research on beetle wing dresses as kind of a genre of, of fashion um, about two years ago now when I was doing my first master's at Brown University. And I was doing a seminar about um, eclectic art in the global 19th century. And my focus is fashion, of course. So I thought, you know, what is something that stands out the most to me about a combination of quote unquote exotic influences in Victorian women's fashion? And the first thing that jumped out was beetle wing dresses. And as I looked around, I realized that there really hasn't been much published on the topic. Um, Alison Carter Tai at Hampshire Museum's Cultural Trust, I think. I did some work in the 90s and I think has done a lot more, but it's mostly unpublished. So I I saw that uh, that niche and went for it and just spent a semester and eventually a year and a half doing what research I could online. And I was very happy to find your dress. There, the dresses I found were kind of in, in lots in my mind. There's these dresses that are 1820s to 30s and then, you know, a 50s to 60s and then 70s to 80s and 90s onward. And they're all kind of distinct in their own ways. So it was really lovely to be able to talk to Vanessa and, and learn about this dress. It really threw me for a second because it has this blue silk lining, I believe, that we have found was an alteration uh, much later. But I looked at it initially and was like, oh, my goodness, is this going to represent just something, some completely unique object in in this lineup of, in the end, I think it's something like 21 dresses. It's less than two dozen that I personally know about that were created in the 19th century and that have beetle wings on them. So it really is is quite a unique object. And I'm, I'm happy to be here to talk about it. Next, Jo. Um, Jo's been researching our beetle wing dress, so she's going to describe the dress for us and tell us a bit more about it. The dress um, we know was made in Madras in Chennai in India, um, and we believe it was made around about 1868-1869. And we know from the donor of the dress to the museum that it was worn at a social function. We also know that the dress was commissioned by Barbara Morrison, who was the wife of a British Army quartermaster based in Madras in Chennai. So we do have a history for the dress. The dress is, I think we could say, probably typical late 1860s style, British style. However, it's made out of the most beautiful fine cotton fabric and it's embroidered clearly by Indian artisans. Kenno, have you got anything to say about the, the mixture of the British fashion and... British influences and maybe American influences, but then it being transported to India. Yeah, so the these beetle wing gowns are are really quite wonderful and unique in that they have taken what was initially a wholly Indian art and uh, and transposed it onto English fashion. 
And they seem to be relatively rare as far as we know, even in the period, not even just considering the extant garments that we still have. But they're very much, I mean, I understand them as, as museums in and of themselves. They're, they're, you know, colonialist entities. They're showing off these goods from a foreign nation that was under British control, but really taking, taking these goods, the individual beetle wings and just covering yourself with them. <laughs> <laughs> saying this, you know, this is a marker of my worldliness of where I have managed to go in my life. And I think that really says a lot about Barbara Morrison herself. But there are, I, I can't really tell how common they were in America. I think they were predominantly worn in England um, and, and by the English in India. This dress has an amazing history. Today, we've got with us Kath Jones, who is Barbara's great, great granddaughter. Do you want to say anything, Kath, about your recollections of the dress at all and what it means to you to, to find out a bit more about the history of the dress? I don't have a lot of recollections of the dress. I can remember when I was little seeing it in a box. I knew it had been donated to a museum. It's probably brought up a lot of things, really, quite sadly, because my mum did a lot of research into all of this and unfortunately she's not here to see it. So, yeah, it's quite sad, actually. But in um, a way, it's wonderful because we're telling the story for her. Well, yeah, and she'd have been so, so excited. She really would have done. I'm going to talk a little bit about Kath's great-great-grandma, Barbara herself, who we believe was born in Inverness in about 1828-1829. I haven't been able to find a record of a baptism certificate at all for her. So the first actual official record that I found for her was 1841, where she's in Harrapool, which is in Broadford on Skye. And she was working as a farm servant on a nearby farm to where her family were living. And her dad was indeed a gardener. We then find her on the 1851 census, still single, working for a tailor as a dressmaker. So she was based in the Gorbals, um, near to where the, the court is now in Glasgow. Um, so she was based there and there were, I think, 12, 13 people living in the house with her and her elder sister, was also working at the tailor with her husband and um, her nephew was there as well. The next record that I find for her is the birth of her first child, which is in Jersey. So again, that ties in with the family story that she met her, met her husband in Jersey. But it actually wasn't a child. She wasn't actually married to William Fitzhenry at this point. She was married to a Jersey man who was a tailor called Charles Le Sauteur. He unfortunately died in October 1856 of pneumonia. A month later, she marries William Fitzhenry by special licence. They stay in Jersey for a little while because William's stationed there. And shortly afterwards, they move to Winchester. And we know this because they start having children. So we can see that you know they have children born at the barracks. So they lived at the barracks in Winchester. Then... In 1867, so this is the next part of the story which ties up with what Kath's mum told the museum, on the 6th of November they board the HMS Himalaya, which at the time was the world's largest ship. So we know that she arrives early 1868 in Madras in Chennai. And William is stationed there until the end of 1869 when they are moved to Bellary, which is right in the centre of southern India. Absolutely amazing place. And then we find out that they move um, over to Aden. They're stationed in Bellary for two years and they go to Aden, which is in the Yemen. And then they're only there for a year. And then they come back to Winchester via the Suez Canal on HMS Serapis. And unfortunately, she dies five years later. 
so that's the story of this dress that I've been able to research um, all online, actually, um, because the archives are closed. So that's all been done using genealogical research methods and also the British newspaper archive, which is an amazing resource. So that's the story of the dress. We know it was worn to a social function. Interestingly, Lord Napier, or him of the Napier Commission, was the governor of Madras at the time. So he would have probably been at the social function for which this dress was made. I'm hoping that when the British Library archives open again to find out, see if I can find any evidence of that, basically. But as things stand at the moment, we don't know what the social function was that she had the dress made for. To talk a little bit why why this dress is important and significant. Well, it's important because it's one of, as Kenneth said earlier, it's one of probably about 20 or so dresses that are known to still exist. And also it's the only one that we know of in the Highlands and Islands that was worn by a Highland woman, which tells the story of her journey in the mid-19th century. It's such an important dress in the collection that when you go into Room 5 at the West Highland Museum, it stands out because it feels out of place, but actually it's not out of place because it tells a very important story. It tells a Highland story of emigration. Highland Objects is brought to you by Expo North Heritage, which is supported by Museums and Heritage Highland, Museums Gallery Scotland, Creative Scotland, Highlands and Islands Enterprise and Historic Environment Scotland.